0: week. It's I'm Kate. We
1: sure are. It's I'm Kate.
0: It's I'm Kate. And you're Dustin. I'm Dustin. Yes. And this is You Can Grad School. Uh, and today we're talking about rejections because hot off the presses, it's rejection season. And we're not talking about romantic rejections. Oh no. Uh, we're talking about professional ones, which...
1: Is there? Is there a season for romantic rejections? Yeah, hey,
0: yeah, November. Um, when all the kids come back from college and they break up with their like high school boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you stayed with your high school sweetheart. You don't know this. It's called, yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> I, I I have no idea how dating works. Either.
0: <laughs> it's the, uh, break it's called breaks Cause like instead of Thanksgiving, um, because all of August, September and October, you've been trying to hang on to the vestiges of your high school relationship. But by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, you're like, I want to date that person on my floor and then breakups. But we're not talking about those rejections today. No, we're I not. feel, I feel we're getting, this isn't a human bonding or relationship podcast. No. Um, so today we wanted to share a little bit about our experiences with rejection. Um, talk a little bit about what, how you can grow from rejection. We don't want to paint too positive of a picture on it, it sucks, but um, just to normalize that, you know, in academia, a big thing is how you handle rejection and receiving it and even giving it at some points. And we wanted to talk more about that. But first we have our new old section, what's new with you? So Dustin, what's new with you? <phone rings>
1: This week, I am in the middle of round two of match for our for the clinical psych folks out there. Um, at the end, you have to basically go on a, a residency, it's an internship year. And uh, there's this mystical algorithm that matches you in the first round, and I'm in the middle of round two. so. Uh, that that's what's new with me is I'm doing some interviews. I already submitted all the applications and just, just interviewing. It's, it's really interesting. I I feel like I haven't really interviewed for like a job job, which this feels like in a long time. Um, Kate, what is new with you?
0: What's new with me? Well, so, uh, this week I'm working on putting together an abstract for a paper, um, I may have talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but it's a qualitative paper and in the past I've only ever done quantitative work. So I'm just trying to get an abstract together for that, you know, is cohesive with the field guidelines for that I'm, uh, applying to. And it's this really neat opportunity to go outside of my usual like developmental psych silo. And so it's good, but, um, I'm a little bit nervous about that. Um, my hair is also growing out nicely. As another update, uh, it's I ha- <laughs> it's looking better every day. Um, and also, I repotted one of my plants, and so <laughs> it's looking better than ever too. It's it's doing really nicely, and that's what's new with me.
1: How does your hair look? In we talked about two dimensions last time. How's does it look in three dimensions?
0: Oh, actually, still not great. Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> We're working on it. Um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. Um, but two-dimensional, it's great. Um, and otherwise, I throw it up in Ponytail to go into public. Oh, and uh, I think I got a Trader Joe's, which is very exciting. What? So, yeah, that I know. super I, exciting. I know. So I like bought a bunch of stuff that I probably didn't need and shouldn't have, but was like blown away by all the new shiny things and a new I shiny know. store. So it was like, it was really nice. I'm a Wegmans loyalist in general, uh, but it's nice to have options. So uh, rejections. So I think one thing that I'd like to start with for both of us is to talk a little bit about our history with like experiencing rejection and, you know, our I don't want to give people advice without first, you know, rooting it in the fact that I am no stranger to rejection, professional rejection. And it's kind of become my brand um, in like a fun way. And I, uh, one of the ways I've kind of reframed it is I've been resilient a lot. And um, yeah, so I don't know if Dustin, you wanted to go first or you want me to jump right in.
1: I think it's one of those things that. I. I had just assumed that. Like as a first generation college student and not knowing anything about higher ed. um, That it was like, oh, you've reached a a certain level where. Like you're just doing stuff and you're producing knowledge and like. Nobody cares. You're just gonna do it. So why? Why should you? where does rejection come in? But it is probably one of the through lines to higher education. Um, And I think in the beginning, like applying to, really I think applying to college is one of the first times where you're faced with that, like someone is evaluating you as a whole person. And it can feel really personal at that point. And then even more so when you're applying to graduate schools, because you're like, this is a specific thing. This is what I want to do for my life. And some places are like, eh, maybe not. Um, (laughs) Not here. Yeah. (laughs) It's somewhere else. You go do that. That'd be cool. And I think it, like on one end it is, It is really personal and it feels that way a hundred percent. And that's a normal reaction to have. I think it's also a recognition of the larger system that is it's just crazy at times. And having both that initial reaction and then kind of thinking about all that goes into making a decision, it's complex and then. And then I would get frustrated at that. Um, So applying to to grad school, uh, I applied to a number of different programs. I was limited due to finances, just not being able to pay for that many applications or send like that many GRE scores. Um, So I think I only applied to like six or seven and I yeah, I got One, I got two phone interviews. This was before phone interviews were like a thing. I feel so old talking about this too. And then I had one in person interview, and I think I was like the second or third pick out. Like they had to go through a couple cycles and have some folks say no before it got to me. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, it just like I, because it was at the university that I was employed at. So I knew that there, I knew when offers had gone out and I hadn't received one. And then it was like a while later, once one kind of trickled my way. Um, So I only had one offer and now I'm here (laughs) on my way out. See you later, fools, (laughs) You're, you're not fools. But it's just like the process is so different across places. And I think now just like, understanding what the options are is really helpful that if there is a rejection it's not it it can be a reflection on on who you are but in the end you're you're gonna make another decision and move in another direction and that is just as good for you as if you had gotten that first first option i think resiliency like like you're saying is is really key um yeah it's just a it's a wild process is really all that I can
0: say yeah I think the thing I've noticed and I'm I'm sorry that I have to do this but I have to relate it to my running because I think there's sort of this through line between my like professional um psych kind of rejections and my first kind of experience with like things not working out in the way that I imagined them to mm-hmm. or the way that I wanted them to. And I think that's that's pretty relatable to anyone before you've applied to grad school, before you've even applied to undergrad. Um, I had, like, a pretty charmed uh, high school childhood in, in a lot of ways. I only applied to one school. Um, I had been looking at...
1: For college?
0: Yeah, yeah. I had... Um, I feel like I've been making up for it ever since um because I uh <laughs> I was looking to run in college and I really wanted to run division one um and so that narrow that kind of like I I wanted to go to a place with good academics and good running and I really saw myself as being a really successful college athlete and so I applied early decision to Cornell and got in and that was like I was just like wow like I'm really good at everything, like, I'm going to be a great runner, I'm going to be really good in school, and then I got to Cornell, and everything was, I was terrible, like, I was terrible at everything, um, and I think I, I i told versions of this, like, I've definitely told this version of, to, of so, the story to a lot of people, um, I might have even mentioned this on a previous podcast or YouTube recording, but um, I think the example I think of the most is I I had this workout that I was like planning. I was like, uh, you know, it's been a rough start. I haven't done well at all, <laughs> but this workout is where I start to like, where things are going to start to turn around. Like today, I had just like the worst workout of my life. And then I was like, okay, well I like, I I don't deserve to like go straight to dinner and then do work, which is a really unhealthy attitude. And I don't recommend, I was like, I'm going to work for an hour because if at least if I do do anything like in running today, I'm going to, progress on this like stats or thing that I was working on so I went into the library and I opened my book and suddenly I just felt really overwhelmed and I started crying and then I fell asleep onto <laughs> my tear-stained textbook with the pages open and then like an hour later I woke up felt a lot better <laughs> went to dinner and then like proceeded out of my night and so I usually use that as a story of like why you need to get sleep and take care of yourself but Mm -hmm. I think if you had told me like itchy things like if you told me before that that was going to be a moment like a defining moment or notable moment in my like freshman year it would have been like sounds pathetic and terrible I would never want to share that story with a bunch of people um (laughs) or
1: surprised you're listening to it right yeah. now yeah
0: <laughs> or in that moment you told me that like everything was going to be okay and like I, like it wouldn't have been pretty like believable um and you know like running was one of those things where throughout my time in college like I kept putting myself out there and not experiencing success and mm-hmm. it was it was not what I had imagined for myself and then I really found like a home in like my lab and doing research. And I found that I really loved that. And I was experiencing a fair amount of success in that area. So I was like, well, I'm going to apply to grad school straight out of undergrad. <laughs> and I got rejected. <laughs> it's- right, I, think- I got waitlist, I guess like it wasn't a technical waitlist, but it was like told to me that I was like on a waitlist at the time. Um, and then I got ultimately rejected. Um, and again, like, I just, I remember thinking, like, what am I supposed to do now? This isn't, like, I'm supposed to go straight from undergrad to graduate school. Like, I'm supposed to get my PhD in clinical psychology. And I'm supposed to start seeing patients. And I'm supposed to have my career well underway by the time I'm 26. And I'm 26, and I'm just starting my training. Um, And so all along the way, I've just had these really Hard in the moment and disappointing rejections, where it's made me have to reevaluate, like what's important to me and like where I'm headed next. And I think that's like, I I think there are two like the hardest parts about rejection for me, um, or like experiencing rejections for me, were like, oh no, I'm gonna have to tell people, um, because mm-hmm. I think it's really healthy to mm-hmm. share your goals, but sometimes you aren't gonna meet your goals. You're gonna have to tell the people who wrote you letters of recommendation and. Told you that they believed in you, and that doesn't make them any less truthful. But it does mean that you have to like tell people disappointing news, and you worry that it's going to change how they look at you. And then it's also, you know, if you're like me, then like I wasn't very imagine. I didn't used to be so imaginative or like flexible in my like life plan. Yeah. And so it's the big like, so what now? Um, and it, it's one of those things where it just it sounds really, really cheesy, and I've gotten better at like handling rejection because of this though, so I like wanna share it, which is like you can't write your story until it's happened, and the you will end up looking at the things that ended, that you end up to the path you end up going on the rejections that led you to something else as what happened for the best um probably not in a year probably not in five years but um for example like without experiencing rejections from 20 schools I wouldn't have ended up I wouldn't have gotten into five last round and I wouldn't have ended up in back in Ithaca and I wouldn't have met you Dustin I wouldn't have met all the really wonderful people who I met in Illinois um And I wouldn't have met my closest friends in Boston. And so it's, it's one of those things where you have to believe before you actually know that things are going to get better. And you have to, you have to see that the thing that you had planned out for yourself isn't the only option.
1: And that's hard to do. It's so hard. Like (laughs) you have, you plan for one thing, you set everything up to follow that plan And then it falls apart, or there's something that happens where someone sees something and it's just not a good fit, or that, um, like I have accidentally copy and pasted the wrong, I think I used the wrong pronouns in like addressing a potential PI, and I was like, well, that that's probably not good, (laughs) Um, and like that again, these are like reflections on the process. I have made sure not to do that again,
0: yeah, well, me. and it's also so hard, right because like I think with applying to you know applying to under or graduate programs, um applying to internship, applying for jobs like you have to cast a really wide net um and then yeah. the people who are looking at these they're looking at a lot of other people who may look like a ton like you or may look really uh-huh. great on paper but only be like okay in person, um yeah, and I I think I said this and I like I I kind of half revise this that but like, it's because the system is a little messed up that I still think this is true. And that like a a grad school matches and all these matches, it's kind of like dating, where even if you're perfect on paper, sometimes there's this like unknown quantity that's like, either why you don't want to go to a place once you visit, or they might not want you even though you're great. But it's not a reflection on you
1: just imagine like dating as a as a total match process and you have, you to, have rank to rank people, people.
0: Which, what a nightmare like, that's yeah, kind of that what it's just like uh oh.
1: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what what dating is like don't ask that's me, what so. i i've
0: used this metaphor it works well for people who regularly date it works less well for people who don't date or already or found a partner young um but it's that like ineffable thing that sometimes means you're not going to get into a program and it doesn't mean you're not great. Um, exactly. But to our like advice portion uh, the less like wooey kind of advice that I'm giving, that's like very, put it on the back of a, a coffee mug or something. Stop it on the front of a coffee mug, not the back of it. Uh, um, on the bottom.
1: <laughs> yeah. On, on, the the b- inside, maybe. on the inside. On the inside. Yeah, you gotta drink it. Yeah, you
0: drink it all and it. the bottom says, Fuck this. Like
1: <laughs> It says, Aha, that was poison.
0: <laughs> yeah. because um, I yeah, so what do you do? You get your rejections, you find out like you're not going to grad school next year. Um Well, obviously the first piece of thing the per- first piece of advice is to like reach out to the people you trust and you support you. And yes. Tell them, like get support from them. If you need a moment to process in yourself, like it's okay to cry about that. Like it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be frustrated. Your original emotions are like are valid. And I I remember getting rejected from the nicest person in the world who was like, give me the kindest rejection ever. We'll talk a little bit about this later. It was so encouraging. I was still kind of mad at her. I was like, why didn't you pick me? <laughs> like, I'm great. <laughs> and a few months later I like once the dust had settled I was like yeah I get why and like this is it's like someone who I like massively respect and think just so highly of but like it's okay to be mad it's okay to like yeah yeah. I mean don't don't respond in anger to any emails make sure that you're when you're if a PI is telling you like it's okay to like respond to them make sure that you're not burning any bridges Um, but It's important that you like take a day to cool off maybe before you respond or a week to cool off. They're not going to they're not going to expect you to respond right away. Um,
1: Yeah, that's okay. Prioritize yourself and the steps that you need to take. And that that should be the that main first focus, like you're saying.
0: Yeah. And then the next thing that I I found really helpful and like processing things was um it's it's okay to like ask why and it's okay to do a little bit of digging mm-hmm. um i was talking to someone the other day who is gotten into a bunch of programs but was rejected from one and um they wanted to ask why and they're wondering if it was okay and that's perfectly fine like you should if it gives you a chance to improve, like, I think it's really okay to check in, um, and ask for that feedback. Again, I would recommend like waiting a week until you've cooled down. So you can kind of carefully word it, but say like, Hey, thank you so much for letting me know. Obviously I'm disappointed. I was wondering if you could give me a little bit of feedback on my application or interview so I can do better next Mm time. Um, and that does a lot of things like it, it, it is a real sign of maturity for the person you're talking to and they'll they yeah, want, no. they'll probably be impressed about your your asking um and I also think it's it's really healthy to have kind of closure in that way like if you don't know mm-hmm. um but from like a just like from a perspective of uh what can I do better but also from a like why didn't they pick me um and again, their reasons may not be valid. Like they, they may not be what you want to hear. Um, they they might be valid in what you want to hear. They might not be valid. Um, or it might just be like someone else was a better fit. And there's not a lot you can do with that. But I think um, if you're one of the very curious, which a lot of people in research are, then there's a little bit of comfort in knowing like what exactly it was.
1: Yeah. And taking uh, like CBT approach, you're, usually going to have automatic cognitions about how you are as a student how you are as a person and just attributing these these choices that someone else made about yourself and again just like kind of taking a perspective and seeing what is it that is on in my control what i i have done everything that i can i have taken all the steps i've Put together an application and then reaching out. Yeah. And trying to see what is the evidence for these cognitions um, in a way to help build realistic cognitions and self reflections about yourself. Um, and that can be really helpful then to, like what you're saying, is now you have some stuff that you might be able to then move forward with and be like, okay, I don't have a lot of this kind of training. Let me go for this next year and see see what I can do at at this university or wherever I am to to get that if that's something you still want to do.
0: Exactly, and yeah, I, in my own experience, and to revisit like a another to go to another story, just like walking you through the map of my rejections. Um, but yeah, the feedback I had gotten was, um, you know all these parts of your application were great. One of the things I think you could benefit from was getting more experience and that would help you articulate your research interests better. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, that was also advice that I felt like I didn't, I didn't internalize until a little bit later until I was ready to, um, because at the time I was still kind of like upset that I had fallen short. Um, But I, I don't want to like, I don't want to out this person in case they want to be known. But this like fantastic researcher who I talked to, um, I don't, it's all positive. Um, But four years later, I applied to the program again, with like better experience. And it was such a joy to talk to her. And we had such like a rich conversation. And I didn't end up choosing that program, but I got accepted. And it was this weird shoe on the other foot thing where I was like, wow, I really see it because I'm also like saying like, no, I've decided not to choose your program, but, like, I think Mm -hmm. you're so great, and, like, in some ways, this would be a great fit for me, but my interests have changed through this process, and so I'm picking somewhere else. But had I not received that really good advice from her and, like, the way it was delivered was so thoughtful and careful um, and conscientious, like, I just... It made me a better, like... It made me a better researcher in the long run, and so... Mm -hmm. I think from the other hand, like, it's something I've tried to internalize for, like, working with RAs and things they could improve on. Um, It's not something I do perfectly by any means. Um, But when you're giving someone news that, like, they're not quite up to par or they need to do something better, like, how can you say it in a way that is, like, very clear but also very, like hearing.
1: um yeah, supportive because, and, yeah
0: the and there are professional reasons to do that and like you know like your future colleagues and things like that but also like the golden rule like don't be a dick like, I, like yeah All like right. why like why why be hurtful when you could and like blunt in a way that doesn't help when you could be straightforward mm-hmm. but kind
1: yeah exactly and it it also offers a i think like when I, I was thinking about okay I have no offers right now I had no idea what those next steps were going to look like in like what would again it can feel like the the rug is just pulled out from underneath you where you have been working so hard to put this together and that's why we suggest just taking that time for yourself and kind of reevaluating and checking in with yourself, really. But I just had this one track where I was like, this is what I want to do. And I had no other, like, I couldn't think of other options. I didn't know what would come next. And I think um, if I were to not have an offer in that first kind of my first round of applying to grad school, way back in my day which seems like forever ago wasn't that long ago um but i think it would have allowed a unique window to see like what are my interests and maybe this this isn't a good fit for me but it seemed like a good fit given who i'm around and again like kind of taking in what is it that you that really motivates you what are you interested in doing and seeing if there are other options too that could fulfill that that might be more straightforward um might be a little bit more direct in the training and you have a direct impact then on whatever it is that you want to do i think that is is a really key kind of window that allows you to to do that that you're not really able to do in another time I don't think like if I don't get in for an internship uh I kind of have to do it again later on
0: (laughs) (laughs) what what path do you go down and like what are your options for what what part of the like academic journey you're at um you're or like yeah where you are um but yeah no I think a lot about how my research interests have evolved in the pre uh pre-grad period and my post back period and it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. possible without getting rejected and um again like I, I really don't want to put too rosy of view on it because it just sucks and it I I like kind of hated people and they'd be like several people were like oh like you're gonna like feel like this was the right thing that happened to you like you're gonna laugh about it and I was like no fuck you like this sucks like I
1: was like like,
0: uh or like yeah just like I I would nod and be like oh thank you and internally I was like oh god you're so annoying you don't know anything about my life yeah (laughs) now I'm like god damn it all those people were right good thing I didn't like good thing I wasn't a jerk to them um I just was like okay. Uh, (laughs) um, So thanks to all the people who said that to me, because I think it was a message that took some time to be absorbed. But yeah, like, and I also, I really worried about what people would think about me, like having four years in between undergrad and graduate school. Turns out it just made me a more competitive (laughs) applicant. They -hmm. weren't like, "Mm, are you here because you were previously rejected and you're a loser? (laughs) Because I would have had to have answered yes um
1: That's they, my number one question for for new applicants.
0: Were you previously? Are you a loser? No, are you like a loser. No because one. I is, am. Yeah, this is another explicit content episode, but like no one gives a fuck. Like I, no. uh, and that's why I've been a lot more open about my rejections. Like since because I think it was surprising to me how many people did not get in in their first um application to clinical psych, and mm-hmm. you know I'm like really grateful. Clinical psych is a wonderful field, um, but it's, it's really cutthroat in like, in getting in, um, Mm -hmm. that it, I think it can really vary, uh, whether the programs are supportive. Um, and I was so intent on trying to fit a square peg into a round hole that when I finally like got into a clinical program and I was on that interview, I was like, oh, like, this is no longer a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um. And that was really eye-opening because I had kind of, if I had not been smart in some way, um, I was still not ready to let go of the clinical dream when I applied. So I applied to clinical and developmental, even as I was realizing that it wasn't where my heart was. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, that sounds really cheesy, Um, but I might have ended up in like something that wasn't a good fit for me had things been different Um, or something totally different. Your experience obviously shapes who you are. So um, not to discount that, but um, I think the other thing in the short term is just um, be where you are. Like, don't, don't worry so much about the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think when you find that you're interviewing, if you're someone who's experienced a previous round of rejection, I was so much more confident in my interviews this round. Um, I got more interviews because I had better experience. The experience had also really informed who I was and um, more cemented my sense of identity, both as a, like both just as a person, but also as a researcher. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that made me a really appealing candidate to people. Um, and so I interviewed really well and um, it just like, it also was because I wasn't as afraid to get rejected. And so uh, I've done it. You and I have worked on rejection sensitivity, but there's also rejection insensitivity, <laughs> a non-existent area a yeah. thing that I just made up. Yeah. yeah um, which is like I, I, I've i decided I'm no, I'm not going to limit opportunities for myself just because I'm afraid of getting rejected. And so for me in running, that means I do a race even if I don't think I'm in perfect shape for it. Um, in terms of academic, I like apply for grants, even if, I, like, of course, I have to apply for grants because you can't not do that. But even if the odds are that I won't get them, like, uh, I also have greater confidence in myself whether or not things go my way. Um, like, well, talk to me in a month, so I'll talk after the NSF stuff <laughs> comes out. But yeah. I, I think a big thing I kind of noticed along the way is. When I applied for the NSF, I was nervous about getting all my materials in on time and I was nervous about getting it right. But I wasn't nervous about the evaluation process because I trusted that it was a good idea because I'd worked really really hard on it. And I knew it wasn't a factor of getting like getting funded. Um, Wasn't going to tell me that it was a good project. I knew that anyway, because the people I was working with, I trusted them and they weren't going to lead me astray.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like we've been talking about the application process, but rejections kind of linger forever. Uh there's grants, there's papers, um said it internship, jobs, jobs
0: job, So many job rejections I'm anticipating. Yeah. Postdocs, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs>
1: but these are like these are things that uh i i think throughout the process of writing an article submitting it to journals and understanding that process has really and then being rejected in various ways has allowed me to evaluate what it is that i want to continue doing and initially like i had i think uh kind of a notion that you you publish and like that's it and you're good and then the ideas continue to like you continue to be critical of the ideas and the literature evolves and then it kind of like self-corrects um but then that that process has led me to want to evaluate open science and transparency and promoting these values which i don't think would have been as possible if I didn't want to push up against the system um, so just because you're being rejected and like you have these ideas that doesn't mean that they're less valuable it might just be that like we're working in a system that's often not not working <laughs> and there there's lots of holes so it can be again like you know what, I like these research ideas, but I want to focus more on making open science more accessible, or I want to make the editorial process a lot easier. And that could then motivate other projects, which I think is really, really great. Um, So yeah, you are, what was it that you said, you can't write your story until it's happened? Yeah,
0: my lab manager in college gave me that line, and I love it. I'm sorry, I called it cheesy earlier. It's, it is but like I, it's i've really internalized it
1: <laughs> there is i've been reading brandon sanderson one of his his latest not latest like one of his many series and i was just looking up the quote um it's in the way of kings and it's, it says life before death strength before weakness and journey before destination
0: oh. and i think
1: that that last line of like valuing the journey before you get to the destination is. Well, in line with with what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, that's a good place to end this segment on. I love it. Okay, so future directions. Do you want to? Are you locked and loaded, or do you do you need some time?
1: I think I'd like to hear what you have to say, and then I will
0: uh,
1: bring in. Yes.
0: Okay. What? What? are your
1: future directions.
0: So two. So one is. Um, so I was coming back from my long run this weekend, and "Wide Open Spaces" by the Chicks came on, and that is the one song that makes me burst into tears, no matter like, no matter the context, because I just like really love it. And in telling our rejection stories, I should say, like when I was moving out to Illinois um, for my research experience, I that I was listening to the Dixie Chicks and the song came on and I was moving from like city to like the middle of nowhere and Mm -hmm. it was like singing along to it. And then I just suddenly was like, Oh my God, it's me. Like so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) and So I just think like, it makes me laugh at myself because it's just like peak cheesiness, but like I, I had a good cry when I listened to it, but like, it's always like, it always reminds me of that trip and like how scary it was to do something new, but like I, I did it and it was really brave and I'm proud of myself. So also, so I recommend that song and also the whole album. It led me, I have the CD in my car, of course. So after it came out on the radio, I had to listen and cry to it again. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the whole album and the whole album slaps. Um, Yeah. And my other, so my other recommendation is speaking up for yourself and this, I just wanted to, so in class in a class I'm taking two weeks ago, I was accused of having a sexist point of view. Um, your eyebrows are up um yeah, and I think people who are familiar with who I am as a person, this would come as a surprise as it did mm-hmm. to me. um the reason I was being called sexist was because I suggested that one of the historical flaws in philosophy of science and science is that it's been limited predominantly to white men. And so that has had an effect on um, the generation of alternative hypotheses. Mm-hmm. And uh, my professor told me that ha- the idea that someone based off something like sex wouldn't be creative enough to come up with alternative hypotheses was in fact sexist and not pointing out the problems with the field. Um And the reason I bring this up, I, like, kind of debated, like, bringing this up in, like, a public format. I know. (laughs) What the fuck? Um, Yeah, yeah. It's because it was this moment of, like, not so subtle, but also kind of subtle gatekeeping Mm -hmm. where it was, like, oh, that's wrong. And it was, you know, they tried to, this professor, like, tried to shut me down pretty immediately for um, this comment. And I had someone else back me up, and it was really great. But when I first said that, it was like, it was a Zoom class. It was like very silent and everyone was doing their like, I'm not paying attention face, Mm -hmm. which to me looked like a, what is this person going on about face? And it was so great to be supported by someone. And I like, I'm really proud that I like kind of countered that. And um, this person, like this friend of mine, um, fellow graduate student came in and supported me and did a much better job at articulating my point. And then this professor just changed the subject. Cause he was like, Oh, we're getting off track. And, but it was this it like wild sense. moment where it was like wildly inappropriate of him and it was really not okay. And, but I'm glad I spoke up and I like countered it. And I kind of plan to continue doing that if it's necessary in this class. But I, a big part of it was like, the advantages I have in being able to speak up and say things like that in class, um, are like, because of my various privileges. And so if you're someone who's able to do that, um, help change the culture of your classes or your department. And, you know, I have a really great department, so this is not reflective of my department at all, but, um, it was just this kind of wild moment. Um, but I'm really glad I spoke up for myself and, um, pretty mad for the rest of the day. Um, yes. I've never been accused of being sexist before, particularly when I'm opting, when my uh, contribution is uh, suggesting that diversity, the lack of diversity in our field has, is to our de- detriment uh, <laughs> and science is that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is my other future direction.
1: <laughs> I like it. And I agree. I, I have not had that experience. Maybe because I'm not taking classes right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it it is again one of those things that you are a, a new face of the field. That you as a graduate student is a new generation, and is that uh, a view that you'd like to continue to have? Is perpetuating the views of old white guys, um, or actually promoting diversity And what I think a lot of programs are starting to do I think we still have a whole lot of work to do of course um but yeah that that gatekeeping is that's
0: we'll do another hard. episode on the subtle I I've had I've been I've again lived a very charmed life and so I've had a very few examples of that um but I think the biggest thing I thought to myself is god I hope none of the undergraduates in the class think this is like an acceptable thing to like counter with um yeah. And I think it's important to always historicize our field and our field has pretty horrible roots in sexism and misogyny and mm-hmm. misogynoir. noir I can never say it correctly. Um
1: oh, I that's a new term for me.
0: Yeah, um it's about the misogyny and racism directed particularly like at black women. Um mm. so yeah, um, Kate Mann brought it to my attention, but I, she's not the one who coined, coined the hmm. term. Um, maybe in our tweet, we can uh, give correct credit to where it's due, um, I'll yeah. look that up, but yeah. But yeah, fight the patriarchy and then listen to the chicks.
1: I like it. Um, mine are gonna be, I should gone first. I'm sorry. Yours, are, yours you were, were too good.
0: Flip it in post. <laughs>
1: uh one of the things that i think especially during during this season just like a projection and at various points throughout your graduate career whatever career you're in take a little bit of time and reflect on what you've accomplished um i think at least in the the interview process in getting materials ready for internship stuff it feels very critical and that you're you're in a very vulnerable place it, like portraying everything to these people that you don't know. Um, and it can feel very personal and like they're, they're, they are they're being very critical of you, but it also gives you a point to see all of the things that you've been able to do in that time and really reflect on how far you've come and what you've done and the value that you bring to the field and to any, any program or any place that you're gonna be at is likely going to be lucky to have you um and i think it it's nice to just like take a minute and see those things be a little bit selfish um and then switch it right back because you don't want to be an asshole
0: <laughs> don't be an asshole
1: yeah yeah uh and then lighthearted it's not something that i cry about um which i, I, <laughs> wish I me. Have a me <laughs> to do that uh, I've been really enjoying a TV show on sci-fi called Resident Alien. It is with Alan Tudyk, and I absolutely love Alan Tudyk. He is wonderful and such a good actor. He was in Firefly. He's done a lot of voices. Did you watch Dodgeball? Yeah. He's Pirate Steve.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> uh He's such a great, great actor and like an awesome guy. Uh, He, he plays this, he has to like portray this alien who has like come to earth and murders somebody and takes his place. So he has to act like a human, but is totally an (laughs) alien. And like, he just does it so well.
0: Did you ever see Third Rock from the Sun?
1: I did not.
0: John Lithgow. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yes <laughs> let me just like let me like tank your rec- future recommendations with mine.
1: My... watch resident alien it's actually based on a comic book all good things are this is true and all Wandavision. Right. if you're not watching wandavision get on it
0: i know i want to watch it so badly thanks for joining us for another episode of you can grad school and have a great week
1: thank you Boom, so
0: boom, 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 boom. Well, you can grab school is on a vacation. <laughs>